You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Her Money is proudly sponsored by Edelman Financial Engines. When life gives us a financial windfall, first comes gratitude, then comes financial planning, because being empowered with our money is everything. To learn more, visit planefe.com slash hermoney and schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today. Hey, everyone. I'm Jean Chatsky. Thank you so much for joining me today on Her Money. Have you ever really thought about why you are the way you are with money? It's a combo platter of how you were raised, how you're wired, and what you experienced along the way. And some of the results are positive, sure, but other times we are ingrained to think about money in a way that could be negatively affecting our mental and financial health, and we may not even be aware of it. And by the way, this is not me giving you permission to call your parents and blame them for the mistakes that you make with money. Please don't do that. The bottom line here is that we know Everyone has a money personality, what we call a money type. And once we understand where our feelings and behaviors and attitudes come from, it gives us the ability to take ownership of them and to start making some conscious changes. Knowing your money type is really helpful. As you work on shaping better money behaviors in your life, we've got a free diagnostic at hermoney.com. You can find it at moneytype.hermoney.com, and you can use it to figure out what your money type is. Many thousands of people, some of you I know, have already done this because I'm constantly hearing from people who tell me that their type is right on target. So we thought we'd dig into money types in general, and we would do it with the architect of our money types. Jennifer Lee Selig is the psychologist and researcher who created our money types. She worked with us to create our money type quiz. She is also the author of 10 books and three screenplays, including her most recent book, Deep Memoir, an archetypal approach to deepen your story and broaden its appeal. And I'm going to bring Jennifer into the conversation, but one quick announcement before I do. If you've not left us a review yet, we really want to hear from you. One of our listeners recently wrote, I honestly don't know how I would manage my finances without Jean. Oh, that's so nice of you to say. Thanks for creating a space for women to learn about their finances together. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You might just hear it on the next episode. Jennifer Lee Seelig, we are so excited to have you here. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Jean, for having me on the podcast. I'm just a huge fan of your show and of our collaboration over the years, and it's exciting to be able to talk to your community. 
it's really great to have you here. Before we dig into money type and what it is and how it works, you've had this incredible career that I want to get into. And I'm taking this from your website. The author Carol Pearson, who gave you an award, a leadership award several years ago, said of you, she gets more done by nine in the morning than most of us do all day. Tell us a little bit about your work and what you do all day. Thank you for that question. I am currently not teaching at the same institution I was teaching at when Carol gave me that award. I've, I've gone off on my own and doing some independent work. But I'm an, I'm an academic. I spent 16 years teaching high school English and then another 12 years teaching depth psychology and archetypal studies at a small graduate institute in Santa Barbara, California. And now I'm an, I'm an author. I'm a, I'm a teacher. I've got three publishing companies that I work with. And everything I do really centers around an archetypal approach. So I know we can talk about what that means. Yeah, that would be great. And I think a lot of people have heard of archetypes through the years, whether you are a fan of the five love languages or if you've ever done a Cosmo quiz, which is kind of archetype light. What are archetypes? That's a great question. So I define archetypes really simply as their universal recognizable patterns in the psyche that cross culture and time periods. And so when we talk about, giving you an example, we talk about archetypal roles and we talk about, we put the word the in front of archetypal roles. So it's the role of the hero, the archetype of the friend, the archetype of the caregiver, or the archetype of the teacher. And what a culture defines as a good teacher or a bad teacher or a hero or an anti-hero, that may be up for debate. So I remember, I don't know if you've been to Denmark, Jean, but I remember the first time I went there and I saw parents leaving their babies outside in their strollers, even in the dead of winter, while they went inside and ate in cafes or shopped. And of course, being an American, I judged them as terrible parents. How could you leave your kids outside like that? But they had very good reasons for doing so. And for them, that was good parenting. So I, I use this example to say that we all recognize what parenting is, but how we define a good parent or a bad parent is different based on culture and time periods. So what doesn't change is the fact that we are all really hardwired to recognize archetypes when we see them in action. And I use the word hardwired here on purpose. I think it's a really important word because if anyone who's ever read to small children or watched them watch a movie, you know that they're primed to recognize archetypes, right? So you don't have to tell them, okay, that's the hero or that's the love interest or that's the friend. They just get it. There's a lot of studies in neuropsychology that our brain is wired for story and archetypes are really what build stories. The neurotypical brain is wired for pattern recognition from a very early age. So we recognize these patterns when we see them without being told. And I use the example or the analogy of fingers and the fingertips. So with rare exceptions, we're all born with the same bones in our hands, the same five finger structure. And that's like an archetype. But our particular fingerprints are entirely unique to us, right? So we're born with something universal and as well as something personal. So in particular, so archetypes are like same, same, but different. Same, same, but different. So as we, as we explore 
archetypes, as we take quizzes, as we try to sort ourselves into Gryffindors and Ravenclaws and Slytherins, right? Or the sorting hat does it for us. How do we use the placement into these categories to help us better understand ourselves? Yeah, it's a good question. I think I want to approach that from three different angles. So you said to better understand ourselves, and that goes all the way back to ancient Greeks, that this inscription on the temple of Apollo that says, know thyself. So we've always been searching to understand ourselves better. And I think that's the personal dimension of typology or the archetypal dimension of, of typology where we can say, I am a Gemini or I am a four on the Enneagram. So it tells us something about ourselves. But what actually interests me more, Jean, is the interpersonal relationship between the archetypes and between typology, which is how understanding our typology in comparison to someone else's can actually make a big difference in our relationship. So you brought up Gary Chapman's work on the typology of the five love languages, and, and we're recording this before Valentine's Day, so it's, it's very much on my mind. And he says there's five universal or archetypal ways that we understand and receive love, and they were some of your readers will know this very well. They're words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. And it's crucial to know what our partner's love language is to understand how they receive love. And this is a really big and, so we don't judge them. And this is part of what happens when we understand typology. Because in my mind, typology is neutral in and of itself. They're not better types or worse types. They're just different types. So if we're the kind of person who needs words of affirmation, our partner might judge us as needy. Why do you always need me to tell you I appreciate you or I love you? You're needy, you're insecure. Well, that's not the case. That's just our love language, right? So when we understand someone's typology in the interpersonal realm, then we understand what's going on in, in between us. And then the third realm, which I think is also really interesting, is the transpersonal realm. And that's the we part where we, when we understand our typology, we feel connected to something bigger than ourselves. And I used to teach typology to high school students. And some of them would come from homes where they were like extremely introverted and all their family was extroverted. And they were judged by being shy, being antisocial, not fitting into the family. Why can't you just be the life of the party like the rest of us? But once they took the typology test, the Myers-Briggs test and realized they were just an introvert nothing wrong, just different from the family. And then they were connected to a larger group of humans across time and cultures who have been and who have always been introverts. So I think there's these three dimensions going on when we work with typology. And ultimately, I think it all comes down to connection. So when we understand our type, we feel connected to ourselves. When we understand someone else's type, we feel more connected to them. And we feel more connected to the human race in general when we have a word or a pattern that we fit into. When we start to understand ourselves and our relationships to others in the sphere of money, it has been really, really helpful for people. I've seen it personally, right? I've seen so many people take our money type quiz and start to understand themselves a little better. I took our money type quiz and I started to understand myself a little better. And we'll talk about that. Why are archetypes helpful in the world of finance? 
Well, you know this world far better than I do, but I know that sex and money are two of the most common things people are arguing about in relationships. And so I think understanding the typology of money gives you a neutral language to talk to someone or talk with someone who has maybe a different typology than you and to understand that, again, they're not wrong that they're this way. They're not wrong that they have these fears, these worries. They're not wrong that they have different values around money. It just is. And once we understand what just is, then we can talk about how do we work together with that. And that's, again, the interpersonal realm that I think is so important in money typology. Can you talk a little bit about developing money type and coming up with the five archetypes? There are five money types. They are nurturers, connoisseurs, visionaries, producers, and independents. And what I think is so interesting is you don't have just one. Yes. The way that Jennifer designed this tool, you actually have a primary type, and then you have one or more secondary types. How did you figure this world out? Yeah, that's a good question. So I had to look it up, Gina. It was back in 2015 when I first started on this project. And you know, the task was to create this archetypal assessment tool to help women understand their relationship with money better. And I had created an academic program in archetypal studies. I was chairing it at the time. So I'd said, you know, I knew a lot about archetypes, but how the relationship between women and money was an area that I wasn't as familiar with and hadn't done a lot of thinking about. So I'm just a geeky researcher. So I just did a deep dive into all the literature that I could read about women and money. And then I also looked at other archetypal systems or not even archetypal because most of the systems were kind of more buzzfeedy, superficial typologies to understand, you know, your money type. So I looked at those. I looked at the gap in those. I looked at the inadequacies of those. And I was living at the time in a house that had a huge picture window from floor to ceiling And I took post-it notes with all my research and I put them on the window and I rearranged them and rearranged them until I I found these five archetypes that really made sense, that encompassed all of the research. And then I set out to test that theory. So I started with a 140-question survey and over 200 women took that. And that helped me to winnow down and to find what the best questions were to get to typology and to make sure that my theories about sabotage patterns and and fears and insecurities, et cetera, were valid. And after I had done that, I came up with the 40 questions that now live on on your website. I was just going to stop and just say just a note to everybody who's listening. You do not have to answer 140 questions. You have to answer 40. And it exactly. doesn't it doesn't take long. It really doesn't take that long. And it's I think they're fascinating questions. And I love getting the diagnostic that tells you about yourself. We are gonna take a very quick break, Jennifer, but when we come back, I wanna dig into the types and talk a little bit about what they mean. We'll be back in just a sec. Her money is proudly sponsored by Edelman Financial Engines. We save and invest for our financial futures because we know that even though the future may be uncertain, planning is everything. Sometimes in life, we enjoy financial windfalls too. We may gain an inheritance, liquidate a business, or receive a monetary gift or a settlement. Even in these days of more mega million jackpots than ever, we may win the lottery. When this happens, We all want to make the most out of every dollar we've been given, and we can. 
Learn more at planefe.com slash hermoney and schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today. We're back with Jennifer Lee Selig, the psychologist behind the money type personality test. As I said, five different money types. Can we talk about each of them a little bit? And also, what are the factors that sort of play a role in why you are the money type that you turn out to be? Is it your current financial situation? Is it your family history? Is it your age? Or is it really a deeper sense of how you're wired? It's a big set of questions. So I think I'll just start by describing the types and then we can circle back to those factors because those are really important. Before I do that, Jean, I just want to tell people that even though this work was commissioned for Her Money and it lives on your website, the archetypes themselves are gender neutral. So the, they're, they're archetypes that fit anyone of any gender. If you identify as a woman, that's fine. If you don't, you can still take the survey, get your results. Women, you can have your partners take the survey, whether they're any gender, no gender at all. This is a, a gender-neutral archetype test, and that was really important to me. No, I think that that's really, really useful as well. And I want to dig into how it can help us understand our partners a little bit better, too. Let's go through the five types. Where do you want to start? You choose. I want to start with the visionary because I know, Jean, this must be a type that's strong for you, having created this whole community as well. And it's one of my top ones. I score 89% in it. I just redid the test yesterday to check my numbers. And so it's a high percentage of the visionary. And as I talk about these, again, remember, archetypes are neutral. So that's not good or superior to be a visionary. It just is. However, we're going to talk about how each type comes with their own strengths and weaknesses when it comes to money, and that's really important. So, Jean, you're, you're so generous with this, this free assessment tool because you, when, there's nothing that's behind a paywall. So when you get your results, you can read about all of the types, even if the, it's not your primary or secondary type. So what you're going to see is the strengths and weaknesses. You're going to see your particular money pleasure, your money gift. And then you're going to also see about your kind of your weaknesses, which would be what you're afraid of and what your particular sabotage pattern with money if you have one. So starting with the visionary, the visionary is driven by passion and creativity and they value money as a way of manifesting their dreams. That's kind of their gift or what they have to teach us. They put their money in service of a dream. And some visionaries, their dream is to make a lot of money, but for other visionaries, they're satisfied just to have enough money that they can actually fund their creative pursuits. And Jean, I was thinking since this episode is coming around Valentine's Day, I could suggest simple ways for each type to show love to each type of people in your life, if that would be fun. I love that. For the record, I am not primary visionary. I didn't um, think primary, but it's okay. got to be up there, right? It's up there for me. It's a secondary. It's a strong secondary type for me. Okay. But yeah, how do we show love for the visionaries in our life? So with the visionary, it's important to show them that you believe in them and that you recognize their particular passion. And maybe you buy something that helps to support that. Or you can gift them with time to take something off their plate so they can follow their dreams. I, I love it. All right. Um, so next. All right. So my primary type is producer. Yes. You want to go there next? That's what I was going to do next. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, of course. So producers are the most grounded, diligent, and consistent type when it comes to money. This is no surprise that this would be your one of your top types or your top type. They're also the ones most likely to think about the future and have a retirement plan. 
And they're always really aware of money, like how much things cost, how much they're worth, appreciation, depreciation when making decisions. And they like watching money grow, their money grow. But on the downside, they can be overly conservative with money. And this was something that I found. This is the most risk adverse type, in part because money to them is safety and security. And so sometimes they want to hold on to it rather than investing it. And they can also be quite controlling about money on the downside there. So the way to show love to a producer might be to buy them something that they really, really want, but they wouldn't spend money on themselves. And it's super important caveat here. Don't spend their money on it. Don't spare your right. joint money on it. <laughs> spend your own money to buy that for them. And since producers like to track their money, so it may be that even just sitting down to take time with them to go over budgets or to do a financial check-in or gift them with a financial course or a session with a financial advisor would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I love that. And I can totally relate to the conservative aspect of it. I know people look at me and they think, well, she's been in the markets forever. And I have to push myself to get myself to take risks with my money because to me it really is safety and security and having come through a divorce that was amplified so when i got my types i was like yep that is spot on spot on yeah okay i'm curious what your second type was visionary was remember? my second visionary okay All yeah right. So how about the connoisseur? Connoisseur was, I've taken it a few times. Sometimes connoisseur is up there because interestingly, although I have to push myself to take risks, my listeners know that I also really like to shop. <laughs> and so there is definitely some of that in my makeup as well. I've come to terms with it by doing a lot of my shopping for clothes and things like that on the real real, where I feel like I get really great stuff at really great prices because it's all consignment. Yeah, Jean, that's exactly the combination of producer and connoisseur. That's why that works, right? So because we're more than one type, you brought in the producer energy to make peace with your connoisseur side. Connoisseurs love money. They love spending money. Producers love to save money, but connoisseurs love to spend on the finer things in life, however they define them. So if you're like Jean or you're a Carrie Bradshaw kind of connoisseur, it might be fashion. For another, it might be food and wine. For another, it might be kind of upscale experiences and travel. For someone else, it might be buying objects like cars, collectible pieces of art, etc. So connoisseurs love to treat themselves to the good things in life. But that comes with a sabotage pattern, which can be overspending. In my research, connoisseurs were the, the least likely to have a secure savings account and more likely to have credit card debt than some of the other types. So how you show love to a connoisseur is obviously purchasing something for them that supports their passion. But if you can't afford it, or you wouldn't even know how to buy someone the, the best vintage purse on the market, you can do other things that show you support them by, for example, go out and do some research and find a bunch of photos of vintage purses and put them into a photo app and make it into a puzzle or something. The whole idea is to recognize this may not be important to me and I don't understand your passion for this, but I'm supporting you in that. So that's the connoisseur. Love it. What's next? Uh, let me talk about the independence because I think it's interesting. I'd be curious your experience with independence in your community because independents are the type of people who are either, they're not listening to your show because they don't want to think about money or they are listening to your show because they want to figure out how to become financially independent as fast as possible. 
So for independents, what they value the most is freedom and autonomy. They don't want to be tied down to money. They have a real fear that their choices are going to be dictated by money. So how you show love to an independent financially is if you can gift them money to do whatever they want to do in pursuit of their freedom, that's great. Or just acknowledge their freedom in another way. And I was thinking about one of my partners was high on the independent and she did not want to be tied down. She did not want to be tied down to work. She wanted to travel. And that was her sense of freedom and autonomy. And so what I did one time as a gift was I took a bunch of blank postcards and I photoshopped images of us together in front of all these monuments all around the world as a way of acknowledging that, right? So there are ways that you recognize somebody's typology and that feels really good when we're seen. I love that. That is it's such a, a fabulous and creative gift. My stepdaughter is an independent and remote work is incredibly important to her because that way she can work and travel at the very same time. But she wouldn't give up working remotely for more money if it got in the way of having the freedom to be able to go where she wanted to go. So the best thing about this, and we'll get to nurturers in just a second, is the judgment-free nature of it, that we are just accepting this is how people in our lives are and thinking about how we can support them in being who they are and more of what they want to be. I want to talk about that supporting, though, in just a second. Let's talk about nurturers, and I'll circle back to it. Okay. Okay. So nurturers, that's tied for first place for me. So when you get your survey results, you might find ties between some of these. So for a nurturer, they value relationships over everything. And what brings them pleasure around money is having enough money to be able to take care of or support people, whether that's their kids, their parents, their partners, their employees, or their communities. And so their money gift is that they teach us the value of generosity and altruism. And that can also be their sabotage pattern, right? Because they can be generous to a fault by investing so much time or money in taking care of other people. And I'm never going to do the math on this, but I can assure you that my financial net worth is lower than it would have been had I not had the nurturer as one of my primary archetypes because I value so much giving to other people. And so this is just a funny example, but when I would get a cash windfall or a raise at work, the first thing I would do is not put it into savings, but I would sponsor children from Children International until I actually had nine children, I had a binder full of children that I was supporting. And that was just because that was my particular value there. We hear this a lot from the nurturers in our crowd who have supported their own kids to their own financial detriment. It's something that in these days of incredibly high home prices and student loan debt that seemingly won't go away is completely understandable. Yeah. Also taking care of our, our elderly parents as well. And then I just want to reiterate around that, that nurturers also spend a lot of time. So they might be, when we think about time as money, they might be spending a lot of time volunteering or doing things for other people that's not financially remunerated to the effect of their bottom line. If they're passionate about a humanitarian cause, uh, we might want to donate money on their behalf to the cause or spend a day volunteering with them side by side, understand why they're passionate. And then also because they tend to take care of others more than themselves, Finding a way to nurture them by taking the kids off their hands for a day or for a weekend or treating them to a spa day, saying with much appreciation for everything you do, here's some time for yourself. 
Thanks so much for laying all of that out for us. I think we're going to have a lot of people taking the money type quiz. And here are two questions that I have just as follow-ups. The first is we are not judging as far as these archetypes go. We are acknowledging this is how people are wired. Let's accept that. Let's move beyond it. But sometimes, and I'll just use myself as an example, sometimes the archetypes drive behaviors that are not good, that get in our way. For me as a producer, right, or as a connoisseur, it could drive overspending. It could drive not enough risk-taking. How, without being judgy, do we help other people in our lives manage these things? Yeah. Oh, that's such a great question. Well, one of the things I love about a survey like this is that you take it and you get your results and you can say, I'm like this. And one fifth of the people in the, in the world are like this. This is not unique to me, right? So there's not, that removes judgment from it as well. And we were very conscious in creating the system that we look at the strengths and we look at the weaknesses. And so there's a balance in there. And so I, I think that's part of what we do because we recognize that if our partner or kids have different types than us, that's normal too. And they have their own strengths and weaknesses. And so we can point to these results and say, okay, here it is in writing. Now let's figure out what we can do to work with, work inside of that. Excellent. And with our partners, this is my second question. If I take this quiz and my partner takes the quiz, how do we then have a conversation about it? Yeah. So make sure you're in a good place the day you sit down and look at the results to start with. Uh, do it all with loving intention that we're just going to talk about what how this resonates for us, what we're noticing inside of that, what we like when we see our results, what we resonate with, what we notice inside of there. So just I would say start with just some witnessing of what the results are. And then start to kind of look into the results a little bit. And it's really quite interesting because, as you know, the percentages don't add up to 100%. So you can have very high results and very low results, or you may have a lot in the middle of the results. So look at the sort of the big picture there. And then look with your partner about where you have similarities. So maybe you're both visionaries, and that's fabulous. And you can talk about how have we supported each other's dreams. And then maybe one of you is a nurturer and the other one is your top score is a connoisseur and talk about how does how does it fit in? Just have these really open conversations about how the types interact, both your own types, because we have internal conflict ourselves with our types. So I know I tie it nurturer and a visionary, but I'm going to give in to the nurturer when it comes down to it. If I have a choice about supporting someone in my life or following my my passion, I'm most likely going to go towards following someone in my life and supporting someone in my life. And so I can say to my partner, hey, this is a tendency of mine. Can you help support me in being conscious around that and making sure that's the that's the right decision for me? And is there another way to support someone in my life besides financially supporting them so that I can take care of my financial uh, well-being? You mentioned that the math doesn't add up to 100. Yes. And we've had some people who are confused by that. So can you explain why it doesn't add up to 100? Yeah, I, I can. It's because these archetypes are not mutually exclusive. And so I think about being one archetype doesn't take away energy from another one. And I think the best way to explain this is thinking about them in terms of languages, I'm no good at language, so I, I primarily speak English and a little bit of Spanish, but conceivably there are people out there who speak five languages, maybe just a tiny bit of one language, 
a little bit more of another language and a lot of another language, right? So say you speak Italian 15%, you've got 15% of the vocabulary and you go on a trip to Italy and you, you dive back into it and then you, then you bump up to 30% Italian. That doesn't take away from your English speaking, right? So your English speaking can still be high as your Italian speaking goes up. So I would think of them in, in, in that sense, that they're just pockets of energy that you have available to you to use. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. I'm so excited to send our listeners out and to say, take it. Go to moneytype.hermoney.com. Take the quiz. Figure out what your money type is. Write us an email. Post it on social. Let's just have a conversation about who we are and what we've learned about ourselves and about our partners um, from this amazing conversation. Jennifer, thank you so much for doing the work. Where can I send my listeners to learn more about you and what you're up to these days? Great. Yeah, you can send your listeners to my website, Jennifer Lee, L-E-I-G-H, Selig, S-E-L-I-G, dot com. Thanks so much for joining me today on Her Money. And if you like what you hear, I hope you'll subscribe to our show at Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. We love hearing what you think. And by the way, so do the rest of our listeners. Have you heard? Our show is now on YouTube. If you subscribe, like, and hit the notification bell, you can stay updated on our latest episodes. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Edelman Financial Engines. Her Money is produced by Haley Pascalidis. The show is mixed and mastered by CDM Sound Studios. Our music is provided by Video Helper, and our show comes to you through Megaphone. Check out our new podcast, How She Does It, hosted by Karen Feinerman, for intimate cocktail party-style conversations with today's most talented and powerful female leaders. This podcast is also part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. You can find us and other shows like us at airwavemedia.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk soon.